Well, Jesus could have come into Jerusalem quietly. He could have snuck in under cover of darkness in the middle of the night and without any fanfare. Jesus could have avoided the crowds. Jesus could have downplayed his popularity. And he could have gone without all of the commotion and all the palms and the whole parade. If Jesus had wanted to, he could have come into Jerusalem to the sound of whispers rather than to the shout of hosannas. If Jesus had wanted to, he could have avoided being arrested and being crucified and killed. But that's not how Jesus came into Jerusalem. He didn't sneak in under the cover of darkness through the back door. Jesus came in boldly right through the main gate in the light of day, intentionally. In essence, what Jesus did that day, that Palm Sunday, was to put himself on center stage, shine a spotlight right on him. Jesus came into the city that day fully aware of everything that was about to happen to him. Jesus came on purpose, and Jesus came with a purpose. The Gospel of Matthew, uh, in Matthew's account of Palm Sunday, of the triumphal entry, Matthew chapter 21, verse 10, it says that the whole city was stirred up. You bet the whole city was stirred up that day. That's an understatement. I can think of a few reasons why on that day the whole city was stirred up. And the first reason is because the city was packed. It was during the feast of the Passover. And usually Jerusalem would have had 40,000 people or so in it. But at this time of the year, that number would quadruple. The city was teeming with people. The second reason why the city was quite stirred up was because word about Jesus was spreading. Even back in those days, things could go viral. And Jesus was going viral. There had never been anyone else like him who spoke with authority like him. And especially since the episode with Lazarus, there had never been anybody who could call the name of a dead man. And that dead man would walk out alive out of a grave. Third, the tension and the disdain and the anxiety and the intrigue around this authority-wielding, miracle-working Jesus was reaching a fever pitch. It was an open secret that the Jewish authorities, both political and religious, wanted to arrest Jesus, wanted to silence him, and wanted to get everything back under control. So yes, Matthew is correct. The whole city was quite stirred up when during the height of their highest holy season, when during the height of his popularity, and when during the height of all the schemes and plots against him, Jesus comes riding into town. So Matthew writes in chapter 21, verse 10, that when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, who is this? That's a very good question. 
It's an excellent question. And from that moment, on that original Palm Sunday, to this moment, on this Palm Sunday, there is no more essential question for all of us. Who is this? Who is this man? Who in the world does he think he is? Where does he get off riding into the middle of Jerusalem, daring to ride into the middle of human history? Who is this man who walks on water? Who is this man whose rebuke calms a storm? Who is this man who dares to dine, go into the house with sinners? Who is this man who by his word makes the dead live, makes the blind see, makes the deaf hear, and who drives the religious authorities crazy? Who is this Jesus? That's the question we should be asking. Let me begin by answering that question by saying this. Jesus is not the victim of the events of Holy Week. Jesus is the victor of the events of Holy Week. Every scene plays out just as it should, just as God wills, and just as Jesus expects. And this morning, for every soul here, all of us, for each one of us, the invitation then is to, once again, see him. See him in all of his beauty, in all of his authority, in all of his glory, in all of his majesty. Let me briefly highlight just two realities of Jesus that we see clearly on this Palm Sunday. And the first is this, Jesus came as Lord. Jesus came as Lord. We see Jesus clearly portrayed as Lord this morning in several ways. First, notice with me in how he directs his disciples. On Palm Sunday, our story begins with something that might seem fairly simple, something fairly inconsequential, and it's this. Jesus directing his disciples to a specific place where they will find a specific animal or pair of animals for a specific purpose. Matthew 21, verse 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. may seem like a small detail, Jesus arranging his mode of transportation into Jerusalem. You know, Jesus calling the local donkey rental agency or something. Just lining up some details. This is no small detail. This is Jesus arranging the details. Because he's not a bystander. He is Lord. Jesus doesn't decide to enter Jerusalem by saying this. Let's see what happens. Jesus decides to enter Jerusalem by saying this. This is what will happen. He shows us he's Lord and how he directs his disciples. Jesus is Lord over the universe, over the cosmos, over every planet, over everything. And Jesus is even Lord over donkeys and colts. Matthew 21 verse 6 tells us that the disciples went and did what? 
as Jesus directed them. Because he's Lord. He also confirms his lordship and how he directs the drama. Incidentally, Jesus didn't direct his disciples to do that, get him a colt and a donkey, because they had far to travel. They didn't have far to travel. Jesus was directing the whole drama. He wanted maximum exposure. He wanted to send a message about his lordship and how his lordship was to be brought. It's a lordship brought by humility, not one brought by the military. Jesus was directing the drama to fulfill prophecy from 500 years earlier. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Behold, your king is coming to you. Just wait 500 years. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation as he. And listen to what Zechariah said. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The Lord Jesus directs his disciples and he directs the drama. And he directly declares his identity. At the beginning of this Palm Sunday story, again, Jesus is lining up these initial details about where to go. They're going to find the donkey and the colt. He knows that these animals aren't going to be wandering around in a pen. He knows down to the detail of them being tied up. And he tells them what to say if anyone asks them why they're doing this. Listen to what Jesus says. Matthew 21, verses 2 and 3. This is earth shattering. This is Jesus clear as day about who he is. Untie them, the animals, the donkey and the colt. Bring them to me. And then Matthew 21, verse 3, if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them. Jesus directly declares his identity as Lord. He doesn't say, tell them the teacher needs them. The rabbi needs them. The prophet needs them. The mystic needs them. Jesus says, if they ask you why you need this donkey... They ask you why you need this cult. Tell them, Jesus, the Lord needs them. That's who needs them. Any questions? (laughs) Any questions? Any confusion about the identity of this man? He is Lord. And the one who came then as Lord to shouts of Hosanna comes to us today as Lord. In the words of the hymn that we'll sing next Sunday at the end of the service, crown him of lords, the Lord, who over all doth reign, who wants on earth the incarnate word for ransomed sinners slain. Jesus came as Lord, and Jesus came to save. He came to save. Is there anything... Anything at all more heroic than one who willingly, knowingly, voluntarily steps into danger. Someone who runs into a burning house or heads into the line of fire or someone who deliberately walks forward down a hallway towards the sound of an attack in order to save those who can't save themselves. It's heroic. And these heroic sacrifices rightfully move us. They move us even as the evil that makes them necessary enrages us. But these acts of sacrificial heroism 
move us because deep in each one of our hearts and deep in each one of our souls, we know that the very essence of love is sacrifice. It walks forward towards death for the sake of the life of another. And we know this deep inside ourselves because we've been made in the image of a God who is self-giving, self-offering, self-sacrificing. 1 John 3, 16, by this we know love. How? That he laid down his life for us. That's how we know love. Jesus came into a world that he knew would reject him. He knew it. He stepped into a people that would betray him. He rode a donkey into a crowd that would turn and cry, crucify him. Crucify him. And his disciples would disappear on him and fail to keep watch with him. And one disciple would outright betray him. And another disciple would outright deny him three times within the course of just a few hours, apparently being intimidated by even a little girl. But he rode into Jerusalem anyways, right through the front gate in the light of day, knowing full well what was waiting for him. This is love. Jesus came to save He knew full well he'd be put on a sham trial. He knew he would be put to death. He knew that he would take upon himself all of the weight of all of the guilt and all the shame and all the sin of every precious soul he came to ransom. And he did so willingly. And he did so sacrificially. And he did so victoriously. Jesus is not the victim of the events of Holy Week. Jesus is the victor. He came to save Matthew 21, verse 8, we heard it earlier, tells us about the crowd that day. They spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from the trees, spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him, so they're all around him, surrounding him, were shouting this, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna, they shouted. It's a great word. There's no other word like it. It's a Hebrew word. And it's one single word, one word, that in itself wraps up a prayer and a praise in one breath. That's what Hosanna is. It's a prayer and a praise. It's a word of prayer. We're asking God, save. And then urgently, it's an urgent prayer. It's saying, save now. But it's also a word of praise. It's saying to God, you do save. You are the one who saves. One word, prayer and praise. Imagine with me, and I know this will take every last bit of imagination that you can possibly muster, but imagine with me that the Washington Commanders are in the Super Bowl. (laughs) And the game is tied, and it's the fourth quarter, and there's five seconds left on the clock. And the Washington Commanders are going to kick a field goal to win the game, win the Super Bowl. And they're kicking it from like the 35 or 40-yard line. And the kicker kicks the ball, and the ball goes up into the air, and it's lined up perfectly in the middle, and it's going to go through the goalpost. You know it. It's going to happen. And there you are sitting in your house in your pajamas, and you jump off of the couch, or maybe you're there in the stands, and you, you cheer... But at the same moment, that cheer is a cheer of prayer. Please go in. 
please save us. But at the same time, you know it's going in. You know victory is secure, finally. And you're saying, yes, you've done it. Hosanna. <laughs> That's what you're saying. Save now. Yes, you save. Jesus came to save. And so the crowds shouted, Hosanna. Hosanna to the son of David. But they didn't stop there. They go even further. They say, Hosanna in the highest. They're saying that all of heaven is joining us in this song. You are the one we have been waiting for. You are our long-expected Messiah. Hosanna in the highest. It's not just an earthly praise. It's a heavenly praise. You look in the book of Revelation. What do they sing in heaven? Worthy is the lamb who was what? Slain to receive honor and glory and wisdom and power and wealth forever. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus came to save. But they don't stop there. They say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Who is this? Who is this Jesus? He has come as Lord. He has come to save. He's not come as any other teacher, not just any other religious leader to lead some empty, helpless religious movement. He has come as Lord. So we say, blessed is he who comes, not like anybody else, but he comes in the name of the Lord. He came to save he came to walk into the burning house. He came to head into the line of fire. He came to walk down that hallway towards the sound of attack, towards his betrayal and arrest on Maundy Thursday, towards a criminal's cross and towards the full weight of the wrath of God upon sin on Good Friday, towards a death that should have been ours, but he made it his so he could make us his by his rising to life again. He would win for us everlasting life. So we say, who is this Jesus? He's the one who came as Lord, amen? He's the one who came to save, amen? So Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Why don't we stand together? We say, crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon the throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns, all music but its own. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for thee and hail him as thy matchless king through all eternity. Let's lift our voices now. Let's praise our King of Kings together.